0: Seinfeld, the fire is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys that are far more entertaining than Eric the Clown. I'm Rob Sestrino Here's Akiva Winokur. I, I thought you were going to say,
1: yeah, here are two guys who never touch each other's goosebumps.
0: <laughs> no, and we both have our pinky toes, and we probably are as entertaining as Eric the Clown. Yeah, Eric
1: the Clown didn't seem too into his job, to be honest.
0: He did not, but uh, he did go on to become uh, quite a Hollywood mogul, Eric the Clown. So maybe we can only aspire to be as successful as Eric the Clown.
1: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that John Favreau was on Seinfeld.
0: Now, was John Favreau just a total nobody when he did that? Was it, Or was it sort of like a goof and he was already somewhat established?
1: Well, I think the, the answer to the question would be, when did Swingers come out, right?
0: Not till after 94.
1: So then, then he was a nobody. Yeah, oh, yeah. Swingers comes out in '96. They may have shot it. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it was one of those things that like took them a long time to get made or something. But um, yeah, he so he was an absolute nobody at this point.
0: Okay, well, he was going to be somebody one day. Yeah, it's you know the the like B plus
1: actor to like A list director is a very unusual path. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Favreau has like Ben Affleck is a big time director and George Clooney, but they had sort of mastered acting first. Yeah. Like, Favreau sort of, like, skipped a level. <laughs> wow. Or you could be, like, Angeline Jolie and be, you know, an A-list actor and, like, a Z-list director. That's a different—that's, like, the opposite.
0: Okay, well, we're going to talk about all this and more in The Fire, where we have the plight of— George, where he's dating Robin, the waitress, and then uh, there is an incident at a kid's birthday party. Plus, we see the saga of what's going on with Toby, who works in Elaine's office, who is a big laugher, who heckles Jerry during his stand-up act, and then Jerry tries to get revenge on Toby, and it kind of backfires on everybody involved except for Kramer. So that's what's coming up here in The Fire, originally aired back in May, of 1994, May 5th, 1994, written by Larry Charles.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of issues with Larry Charles' written episodes. I think the only one we've really loved, I think he maybe co-wrote The Bubble Boy, um, but the only one we really loved is The Outing. Um, But I think, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear... Uh, what you have to say about this episode, because maybe it's a step up for the, uh, the Charles man.
0: Yeah, he really gets into it in the inside look where the genesis of this episode comes from. And he says he just sort of had this idea of George knocking over women and children in a fire and sort of went from there, which again, which is a pretty Larry Charles dark thing to be thinking about. And then there was also this other story that he had heard about where there was a woman Who had like a baby that died, and then in that person's office, in that woman's office, like she was getting like a lot of extra sympathy from her boss, and then the other women in the office like resented her after that. So they kind of took this really dark story and tried to make it into something which was a lot more light of Toby losing her pinky toe, and that's where the genesis of that story came from.
1: Yeah, and we've had really dark episodes like the opera uh, or the limo, but I feel like this episode, even though. The characters are kind of acting terribly like there's enough humor that it gets us out of like the abyss.
0: All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we jump into talking about the fire? No real news.
1: You know, we like to talk about TV. So I'll make a very quick TV prediction. I'll call my shot here. Yeah. And so and people can uh, say that they heard it here first, you know, because I feel like I haven't steered people wrong with TV with review Nathan, for you, I feel like I'm batting a 1,000 so far.
0: So far, so good. By the way, Nathan, for you, season three finale was phenomenal. Maybe its finest hour or half hour to date. I would agree, although I was on the Reddit for Nathan, for you, today.
1: I did want to, I mean, if people haven't seen it, then, well, you know, this will be confusing. But, like, the guy who he uses, I sort of want to hear more of his point of view to see, like, how in you know, was that guy really living in a trailer for, like, that, you know, all that time? Mm -hmm. So maybe it didn't stick the landing for you. No, it did stick the landing. I'm just, like, I'm from, like, you know, this reality TV, like, skeptic uh, side of things, where, like, how true is it, is my question. Yeah. It was amazing, but I want to know, like, because they asked him if he would do an AMA, and he said yes, and then he came back and said no. Hmm. So I'm curious, and, you know, they're probably signed, like, to some ironclad contract, but I am curious how in on it he was. But, like, I don't know. I mean, now we're confusing people who haven't seen it, but they should definitely go watch all, uh, definitely this whole season of Nathan Fria. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my prediction, and I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard unbelievable things. And I've, even from people who've seen it, uh, a Netflix series, so the whole thing, I believe will be released in 10 parts at once this weekend, I think on Saturday. So by the time you're listening to this, it'll be out. Uh, Making a murder. I think it's going to be the new serial and it's going to blow people's minds.
0: Better than Serial Season 2, you think?
1: Well, I'm, I don't want to judge Serial Season 2, which has only had one episode. By the way, 50 episodes less than we've had so far this year. But um, I, I, think, uh, I think people are going to sour very quickly on Serial Season 2. But I do think this is going to be like the new hot thing. So okay. I'm calling my shot here.
0: All right. So we will see what's going on next week. Go ahead and tell us uh, what you thought of it. How much of that will you binge in the next week?
1: If I like it, I'll watch the whole thing. Wow. I'm still stuck on Fargo and the Leftovers, so it, it ha- it'll have to like jump that in the order, but I feel like it can if it's good
0: enough. All right, let's open with Jerry's stand-up from this episode, The Fire. He talks about the differences and mostly the similarities between your first birthday party and your last birthday party. I feel like this was a, a very funny premise.
1: Yeah, this is a great premise. It's original. It is true. Like My, my son is about to have uh, his second birthday party and as you know cuz you have a you have a son just a little bit older like he barely kn- you know he doesn't understand what a birthday is like he'll understand that there's cake but i don't know if it's any different than when it's his the sister's birthday party so they don't really know that they're there especially the first birthday mm-hmm. you know they have no clue what's going on Right. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with like 95-year-old people's birthdays, but I could imagine it's a similar situation.
0: Yeah, my grandmother is getting uh, up there and yeah, it is not super dissimilar. I don't know if she could blow out the candle on her birthday cake at this point.
1: What's worse? The one-year-old spitting all over the cake trying One, to blow out the
0: candles or a 95-year-old? One-year-old is better. One-year-old is always better. <laughs> there's no dangers on the cake at the end of the <sighs> Right. With the one-year-old, there's hope. Well, on the other side, it's like, okay. You know, everybody's just like, you know, just like uh, all like smiling and nodding and just like, uh, you know, let's just not talk about like what's going on here. Right. Let's 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 focus on the past. Yeah. All right. So let's get into talking about this episode and the live action starts where we see Elaine in her office with Kramer and we're introduced to the character of Toby and Toby is almost like would you say a poor man's Kathy Griffin. Uh, it's I think
1: because she has red hair. Uh, it's true, but she's also like a poor man's Kath- Kathy Griffin on speed. Would you say, is she a poor man's Catherine O'Hara? Uh, you're going to have to give me more about Catherine <laughs> the O'Hara. The mom in Home Alone. Oh. Um, no, I th- she's she has a little bit different thing going on. A lot of times I hate these wacky side characters, but for whatever reason, like Toby is so nuts. And she's a little cartoony in the Larry Charles vein, but she's so nutty. I kind of like her.
0: Okay, so Toby is loving the idea. No no Lipman scene in this episode, right? No
1: Lipman, and we don't, like, even though Toby's here, we don't know why she's here until we find out later that she is an employee. Like, they, they should have mentioned in this first scene, Toby's not here just as, like, you don't get to bring your girlfriend to, like, a, a publishing pitch. You know, it happens to be that... Uh, I mean, if she's your partner, I guess. She could be a partner, but she's not. She's just his girlfriend. Like, they don't make a, you know... They say in, you know, four scenes from now that she works there, but they don't mention it here.
0: All right. So she is in love with the idea for the coffee table book. Elaine has always been lukewarm at best about the coffee table book. But here it is getting closer to print. Kramer lights up a cigar in Elaine's office. How off-putting was that to you watching this in 2015? I mean, it's
1: hard to imagine almost now. The the amount of security that would happen now if you lit it up would be... Far more than if you started heckling someone in an office. (laughs) Yeah. you, You would be escorted from the building if you lit up a cigar.
0: It wasn't even mentioned. It was just something that was happening in the scene. Yeah, I mean, back then, you could do sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. So then we go back to Jerry's apartment, and Elaine is sort of mocking Toby. She says it's like working with a woman who's on The Price is Right, which I think was always a funny line. Jerry is writing a joke about, a very Seinfeld joke about how Men watch TV like this but women watch TV like this. Yeah,
1: I mean this is the first time Jerry's ever done a men do one thing and women do another thing joke. By the way with the, I did like the prices right line could you muster up enough enough enthusiasm to
0: be a contestant? Like, could you pretend to be excited? Oh, I would always have loved to have been a contestant on The Price Is Right, so I would not have to feign excitement to be on The Price. Is I don't right. know why the
1: dream has to be dead, Rob. You, you, you know, you live right there. You could go tomorrow and try and get on the show.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would like to go to a taping, but the whole like sleeping outside and camping and oh, stuff do you have like to do that. that? Yeah, I think you have to like sort of be in like a little bit of it's not just like you're just show up and you get in. I think there's a little bit of like trying to get in. I think it's like a little bit of I feel like people come in from like all across the country, like drive in to go be on prices. Right. I used to see people when I used to work over there, like sleeping outside and stuff like that. I don't want it that bad.
1: Yeah, I feel like you do. I got my game
0: show dream. I I scratched that itch. It would be nice, but it's not going to make me or break me if I don't get to go on Prices Right. Okay. Uh, needless to say, I could not feign the enthusiasm to get on there. (laughs) Why? I feel like you like numbers. Oh, I would love
1: to be on the show, but they don't just let it's not Jeopardy. They don't let the best people on, Rob. Yeah. If it was if it was like Jeopardy, every single thing would be first person bid 700, second person bid 701. The third person bid seven hundred two. By the way, the most ridiculous rule in the history of television, and that needs to be stopped.
0: What that people can bid one dollar more than the other?
1: Yeah, and you trap the person to like the point where they literally are done.
0: Yeah, but the new person always has to go first. So as long as you get on there in like the first, if you get on there sixth, you're kind of screwed. But yes, I mean you sort of like can work your way. It's sort of like a you know poker table it's like sort of like you know the blinds are going to come to a favorable position for you
1: yeah another thing they don't tell you about that stuff like i know someone who won a couple things on there you basically have to donate it unless it's something you really want because uh the taxes of it are so high that it's you know you're basically just getting like 50 percent off of something it's really not worth it so
0: are game show taxes higher
1: than for regular things no they're are you you're paying the full tax on the item i think so If you're getting, you know, yeah, it's not like sales tax. It's like, it's a separate,
0: it's a different tax. I don't know. So give me an example. You win a car that's $20,000 on the price is right. What do I have to do? Okay, great. I just want a brand new car. I'm guessing it's like eight grand. So I have to pay eight grand and I get the car. What if I say I don't want to pay eight grand? You could donate it, I think, or you could not accept it. Donate it to who? I think if you
1: donate it to a charity, you're okay. And then do I guess- That's the person I I remember- uh, Hearing that he uh, gave, I think, a pool table and something else, and he donated it to a charity because he, you know, he didn't want to pay the taxes and he didn't want stuff anyway.
0: Do I get the tax
1: write off? See, now we need like, uh, you know, an accounting expert. Yeah, you know? where's our accounting uh, correspondent? I mean, I could call my dad or my grandpa, but I'm not gonna. Yeah. Do they know Price's Right accounting? Oh, they definitely know game show. They definitely would. They definitely. I've heard them talk about like what happens if you know someone wins something you know especially with gambling or a game show the thing is when they start talking about accounting i kind of tune them out so i'm not i'm not sure what the answer is
0: okay so jerry is trying to pitch this idea for the joke on elaine and elaine is just like totally in her own head she's just not even being present with jerry she's like okay i guess it's okay and jerry says uh no that's gold baby now jerry says he was doing baby before george are you buying this
1: I mean, again, this must take us back before the show ever started. So we're sort of guessing here, but I don't think so. I do think like George probably copied a lot of Jerry's things and maybe then they became not cool. So Jerry stopped saying them, but it just sounds so much like George. I'm going to, I'm going to say Jerry's lying here.
0: So Jerry is working on this new material because there is a writer, Leonard Christian, that is coming to the show. Leonard Christian writes for Entertainment Weekly. He must be a colleague of Dalton Ross. And Jerry is very excited because he's writing an article about him. The Entertainment Weekly article in this episode is such an odd plot point to me. Is there an interview part of this? It's almost like uh, this guy just like goes and watches one set of a comedian and then writes a review. And that's an article in Entertainment Weekly? He doesn't make it clear,
1: right? If it's one of these reviews where he's just reviewing different stand-ups. Maybe he's like trying to do a top 10 list, or he's just, you know, Jerry's been in the news a lot, so he wants to review this stand-up comedian's act. You're right. It's weird to go to one show, and this isn't doesn't look like, this isn't like his album taping, right? This is just, looks like another show, like he's going to do six of these in a night. So it's weird to only do one when he, when he bombs. If he's doing a whole thing, if he's doing like a whole profile on him, then it doesn't make sense. He's not interviewing. So you're right. It it does. And especially for these people, uh, you know, the writers on the show who should know what's going on here. It's, It's pretty bizarre. I don't know what's going on.
0: When they hold up the magazine, it appears to be like a two page article, two page spread about Jerry. I mean, it seems like such a non story of comedian gets heckled. I don't know why that would ultimately be a big deal in Entertainment Weekly and why that would even get into the magazine. Do they even cover comedians? Like, no. I'm not even sure. No, they don't. <laughs> like, like they maybe cover- Louis
1: C.K. Right, would, they right. Would. Or Amy Schumer. But, but it would be a blurb. Like, in the back, I haven't seen Entertainment Weekly in a couple of years, but I imagine it's similar like you know, you they maybe grade they give they give letter grades they don't like stars right so they would have given Jerry like a D minus
0: <laughs> I guess so Jerry D minus for his show on But it would have been a blur it would have been like thirty words so then we end up with Kramer coming in and he's talking about well, boy that Toby she's brimming with positivity Kramer is over the moon about Toby now does Kramer have the hots for Toby or is he just want to get his coffee table book made Oh I mean I think. I, th- I thought that's his girlfriend. I feel like Kramer has done better.
1: Yeah, but, you know, he I, he can't, you know, he's he's not really out there in the world. Like, he has to settle at some point for whoever's fine with him because it's not like he's uh, bringing in the big bucks or anything.
0: What happened first? Did Kramer start dating her or she was the publisher of the Coffee Table book? Well, how else would he have met her? So Because Toby and Elaine, there's
1: no way they were ever hanging out. Like, and, you know, and Elaine was like, hey, here's Toby from my office.
0: Yeah. So he came in for a meeting, he got Toby's number, and then they hit it off. They're an item. I think she got his number. Wow, Toby. Yeah, I feel like Toby is the type. She got his number. Got to be careful with this, because if this book deal sours, kramer gonna got to watch out.
1: Yeah, well, also, if the relationship sours. Or vice versa.
0: Yeah, more importantly, probably. Right. Yeah. All right, so... Kramer wants to bring Toby to the show. She's a great laugher. Yeah, she's gonna make the show. She's gonna really help him out. She will. And George is also going to uh, come with Robin. Now she got she has a kid, which is weird. That Jerry says that George is coming with Robin because Robin works there. But
1: right, it's like bringing like, uh, hey, you know my girlfriend who's a cashier at McDonald's. We're bringing her to McDonald's later. <laughs>
0: and you should see george with the kid and we cut two monks and we have a scene where it's very seinfeldian of there's a kid who kind of like the bubble boy we hear him but we don't see him he's under the table and you just see the table just shaking like jurassic park yeah i wonder who's actually under there (laughs) okay so the kid is eating equal packets akiva yeah but the the kid we see in the part
1: like the kids we see in the party are way older than someone who would be eating equal packets. So I'm not sure how old her kid really is, but that's like that's something a baby does. No,
0: I feel like the eating equal packets is probably worse in 2015 than in 1994. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, you, yeah. If you're eating stuff, it has to be you know it has to be like organic or something like that. <laughs> right. There can't be any uh, any of that. Uh, what's it called? Sugar in it?
0: Aspartame.
1: Oh, aspartame is really bad.
0: I think so. So then we have. Booking the entertainment for the birthday party. How about Barney? How about Bozo? Yeah. How about a clown? And George is really hung up on Bozo the clown. He loves Bozo the Clown. We didn't really ever get a backstory on why George is so pro-Bozo. He must have like he must have been on TV when George was a little kid. Yeah. Does uh Chester do any legal work pro bozo? Oh boy. <laughs> that's that's All we have free. our hashtag. We're halfway done here. Free for clowns?
1: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so clowns by the way clowns could make good money like uh really wouldn't not being a clown i feel like if podcasting stopped existing tomorrow i feel like you should consider becoming a clown
0: why because i'm because i think kids like you
1: yeah yeah i think kids don't like like me that much i i feel like you can be the butt of the joke
0: (sighs) well i could certainly do that but one i'm kind of scared of clowns i don't like wearing the makeup like i'm not like isn't it weird that like clowns are for kids but, like,
1: my my son went to see a clown the other day. It's terrifying. And and he's still petrified. Yeah. Like, he's still upset about this. Like, who? so why, if 50% of all kids hate clowns, why are clowns, like, such a popular children's, and you know, entertainment?
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why exactly that came to be. I that being s- said, I
1: do think, what would your name be?
0: Uh, I, my name?
1: <laughs> your clown name. What's your clown name?
0: Uh, Rob the Clown? I don't know. I guess, yeah, st- sticking with that, I mean, is there something with uh, the, you know, Podcasto? <laughs> oh, God. I
1: don't know. I don't know. I could have like, some like, sort that's of, like, like clown a heel clown. That's like a clown that wants people to like throw, you know,
0: things yeah. at him. I, I don't want to have a clown name. You don't want to be a clown? I don't, I don't want to be a clown. Okay, fine. You don't have to be a clown. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> George is really loving. Bozo the Clown, and he remembers his seventh birthday party. And it's actually a very funny like arrested development type cutaway that they do here. It's a shame they didn't do more of this in Like They were really ahead of their time with this.
1: Yeah, I feel like when they do it, you know, we saw it with the locker room scenes in the library, right? A bunch of them with uh, flashing back to when Jerry and George were in high school. We see it uh, in the fatigues later with Frank when he's talking about, you know, cooking in the army. I think we see a bunch of that. But you're right. We don't see enough of it. And they, they do implement it well here. So maybe we should have seen more of it.
0: Yeah. And so then we end up with George like sort of gets pulled under the table, almost like, a, you know, a, a shark is eating him at, at the end of the scene. It's very odd. Like, like they need a way out. And that's just what they do.
1: Yeah. I, I don't I, like I don't really see this relationship between George and Robin. You don't see it. Why? First, first of all, it is very interesting. Like, they even make sort of like a meta comment about how interesting it is that George is dating like a lady with a kid. Which I understand is just to serve the story, but it would have been funny if, like, Jerry randomly, because he dates so many women during the show, if he just, like, had a couple single moms in there.
0: Yeah. George dating the single mom is interesting.
1: By the way, yeah. And being, like, I don't know much about, like, blended family type stuff, but I do like that George is, like, disciplining the kid and, like, the mom is ignoring it, which <laughs> yeah. is, like, probably not what the boyfriend should be doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, don't do that. Don't put your tongue on that. Oh, my like, the God. The mom is fine with it. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. I think at a certain point when it's your kid, you're just like, whatever.
1: Yeah. Especially once you have multiple kids. Like you'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we see Elaine and Toby and Toby has some gossip about how uh, somebody left the company and Lipman's going to hire a new VP or a senior editor position. Somebody left to go be a VP. And now there is a uh, senior editor position that's open. So Toby says maybe Elaine could do it and Elaine's like, oh, and just trying to be nice. She says, well, maybe Toby could do it. Toby lets it really go to her head.
1: Uh, Yeah, Elaine was just being nice. But yeah, this is like the only positive interaction between the two of them, but Yeah, Elaine makes the big... I mean, ultimately, even if Elaine doesn't say this, I feel like Toby still gets the job, though. Yeah, why is that? Because did they give Toby the job because she was campaigning for it, or they gave it to her at the end because they felt bad for her?
0: Okay, so you feel like that it wasn't like Elaine sort of like put this seed into the universe and sort of like law of attraction, the secret. That's why Toby ended up getting the job. Or did she run into the street sweeper because she put this idea out there into the universe that she was going to get this promotion and that was a means to the end? to make it happen
1: well now we got a whole butterfly effect thing going on so i'm not sure but i don't know if this is a direct cause
0: <laughs> yeah so we go to the comedy club and jerry ends up seeing ronnie who's played by the uh longtime famous comedian dom Herrera yeah he's like in the new york scene like if you go to the like comedy cellar you'll definitely see him around and big news leonard christian is here uh ronnie wants to know are my nostrils getting bigger do nostrils get bigger akiva i'm not sure i i like that they set up two things here really well
1: for the end that i'm not sure they would have been able to do in like season two one it's the nostrils thing so they could have the gag at the end you know whether you like it or not that's how they're ending the episode so they have to have it here and just the idea that he's a prop comic sets up the gun gag for later so these two throwaway lines end up being very important in like the you know the final scene of the
0: episode yeah he's also looking for his water pistol right so then we see that he is talking about how he's a prop comic and uh jerry is asking him a question about uh the bits and it is a great line where he says like hey like i don't do bits i'm a prop comic
1: right which to to someone like jerry writing this or even probably Larry, larry charles who wrote the episode you know they a prop comic is like below The guy who cleans the floor after the show is over. Yeah. So it's funny that he's being precious about it.
0: Well, it's probably very funny to Don too. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Okay, so here comes Kramer and Toby, and uh, she has never been to a comedy club before. Right, possibly never been out in the world before. (laughs) She's very excited, if you can
1: imagine. She's got goosebumps.
0: Yeah. Okay, so she's like making a whole big thing about how she's she's like trying to be funny and she's like uh, very forceful. Yeah, you don't want to go to
1: the comedy club and and like try and, you know, steal the show.
0: Yeah. So she's trying to be funny. She's getting into the spirit. You think Toby has been drinking before she went out tonight? I just think this is what she's like.
1: Maybe in the show she's drinking, but I don't think she pre-gamed.
0: All right. So now Jerry is doing his bit. And he's talking about the whole men versus women thing. Toby seems like she's on board at the start. But then when he gets to the point where he says the line, that's why men hunt and women nest, that's when he loses Toby and she starts booing and hissing him. Yeah,
1: hiss is like beyond the boo. That's pretty intense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also think she's just trying to like run the whole gamut of like audience participation here. So I don't know if she's so offended by the men versus women stuff and... I think it's more like she wanted to cheer and boo and she thought she's like part of the show here.
0: Now, in fairness to Toby, if Jerry did this bit in 2015, would he get booed today? Not by Toby.
1: No, he wouldn't get booed because those people probably don't even go to Jerry Seinfeld shows anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, He wouldn't get booed.
1: Would no, we, another I, comedian
0: who wait, wasn't Rob, Jerry Seinfeld get booed? I'm
1: out, Rob. Bill Cosby can still do shows and people show up yeah like he can fill a state like a like a whole theater still
0: yeah so i, I think i think jerry okay can hype there, can new get, forget jerry seinfeld so forget like the goodwill that jerry seinfeld has with his audience could a new comedian do go to an open mic night and do that's why men hunt and women nest no you couldn't do that now unless you were being ironic yeah <laughs> so
1: you would get booed Maybe like a woman could get away with
0: it. Yeah, maybe Toby as like a woman out in the workforce. Like, maybe she was especially sensitive to this in 1994. I, I don't think, I don't even think she's listening. <laughs> All right. So after the show is over. Kramer comes backstage and Jerry, like we see him like actually mad for one of the few times. Like it's not like Jerry is annoyed. Like this is Jerry, like very emotional and mad. This is probably the angriest we've ever seen him so far, right? Yeah. He's really like, what is the matter with her? What is wrong with you?
1: Because now we found like the one thing Jerry takes seriously, like his job. You know, he's always working on jokes and, you know, he cares about his craft. Yeah, so it's reasonable that he's so upset at her.
0: He's very angry that he says you boo, you hiss, and she said she thought that was all part of the show. Not part of the show. Not part of the show. No, he says you boo puppets. I didn't know you boo puppets. <laughs> I haven't been to many puppet shows. I thought we did this
1: show with puppets. <laughs> we should. We should. I thought we did. No, I thought it was, uh, maybe that's not canon.
0: Yeah, that, that we that we actually do that we do puppets <laughs> of the show. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that on YouTube one day. We'll we'll show the puppets. Oh, we do. We just don't tell everyone what the uh, what the URL is. They have to find it. <laughs> find it. Search YouTube.
1: Is there any value to like putting podcasts on YouTube that are just audio?
0: I think that there is some value. I think that value is in discovery. Where you know, if
1: you use like if write- we posted this podcast like a couple episodes on YouTube and people searching for like Seinfeld, the soup Nazi, like they'd probably be mad that they found ours, but. I, feel, I don't know, maybe it would work.
0: It wouldn't do well, but the YouTube search engine is like the second biggest search engine in the world or whatever, so those results would show up in other things, and you would be able to sort of like port people over who are sort of looking for something like the youtube version of the podcast might do better in search than this actual podcast it's just a lot of work and so it's like while you know you may bring in some new people it's just i'm not sure the juice is worth the squeeze on that right well don't mind us while we discuss marketing the podcast the podcast. Here. <laughs> i don't think people mind too much <laughs> no, no, no i think i was just uh, it was, yeah it's interesting um <laughs> so toby says something to jerry that sort of like sticks in his craw how are you gonna make it in this business if you can't take it which is a fair point like comedians
1: should never be rattled by hecklers
0: yeah but this was a very loud heckler i mean even even the
1: rob Rob's sister nino the comic wasn't rattled by the heckler. oh i was rattled you were rattled i was did rattled you, let them baby. Know you were
0: rattled yes yes what the guy yell out again he said uh butt pirates but pirates okay yeah I was rattled because I think much like Jerry, I don't think he wanted to really like just put Toby in her place because it was Kramer's girlfriend. So like, I think if this was a normal person that was just a stranger, I think he might have been able to say uh, like, uh, look, idiot, like whatever we, you know, whatever you say to hecklers.
1: I mean, I think every comic has their one thing that they do to destroy hecklers. Like you can't even be a decent comic if you can't annihilate a heckler.
0: Right. So I think that Jerry was probably just trying to keep the kid gloves on because he knew it was somebody that worked with Elaine and also was Kramer's girlfriend.
1: Yeah, the, wor- the only bad heckler I ever saw was at the Comedy Cellar once. I think I told the story in the podcast, but Steve-O was at the Comedy Cellar, and he wanted to be a comedian. He ended up doing one of the roasts on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. and he was heckling, maybe it was Dom Herrera. No, I, fr- I think it was, <laughs> I forget who it was, but the guy, like, annihilated him, and then Steve-O, like, had, you know, they kicked him out or whatever, but. Wow. Yeah, you really have to be out there with. The worst is when you're sitting there minding your own business and they start ripping on you. Yeah. Like, I'll go in. I learn like, not to go in with my yarmulke because they'll always, like, find anything interesting. So they'll start, like, doing their all their ju bits and stuff. And I don't mind. It's not like I'm offended. I just, like, don't want to be the center of attention. Like, I don't want them to, you know, talk about me or
0: whatever. You know, is that allowed? Can you take the yarmulke off to go into a comedy club? Oh, sh- well, I, yeah. Or do I you mean, wear, like, a baseball uh, hat over? Well,
1: I usually wear a baseball hat or something.
0: Yeah. That's a good move. Yeah.
1: Well, because I don't want to, like, my yarmulke at this point is also like a bald, you know, a bald blocker, kind of. So you want to wear the hat. It gives you like extra protection. Extra like protect- even if I stop being religious right now, I think I'm going to keep this thing on, Rob. I think, yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, you have all your hair. But if you ever don't, then it's it's not a bad idea.
0: Uh, th- I'll convert. Yeah. Or you could go
1: like, I mean, probably other religions even have like more stuff. Or <laughs> you wear like, become Hasidic, you wear like the black hat. and Right,
0: right. Yeah. Nobody you know,
1: sees how much hair you have at all,
0: right? And then eventually you can go turban. That's really like the ultimate in baldness. Yeah, they, don't,
1: they can't tell anything. Yeah, the turban really covers the full head. You have no idea. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. I should probably get a turban.
0: <laughs> so then we end up seeing George at the birthday party, and I think this is probably the strongest sequence in this episode. At least uh, kicking this off, we see George with the clown, and we will find out that the clown is named Eric. Eric has never heard of Bozo the Clown.
1: I mean, that makes sense. Like, you know, people, it's not like you have to go to clown college and, like, study the history of clowns <laughs> right? to become a child's clown. Like, I, if you become uh, the great podcasto or whatever you said your name mm-hmm. would be, you don't right. have to know who, like, uh, Chuckles
0: was. Right. I think this is true in many fields where people get into it. Like, you could be a big baseball player and not know, like, Babe Ruth or something like that. Oh, none
1: of the players in baseball could tell you, like, if you, Babe Ruth, they'll, they'll all have heard of. But
0: they like, know that they
1: heard the name. If you, let's say we went and we asked the 25 players on the Mets tomorrow who Rogers Hornsby is, I feel like six would get it, maybe.
0: <laughs> maybe.
1: Ty Cobb, they'd be like 10 people would get it.
0: Yeah. So the clown rates, it's the same thing. Eric has never heard about it. And George is really just besides himself that Eric has never heard of Bozo the clown. It would be like you never having heard
1: of Mark Marin,
0: <laughs> something like that. And so. George is very dismissive of Eric. He tells him, like, uh, why don't you go fold your little balloon animals, Eric the Clown. By the way, another one, like, if you had never heard of Richard Hatch. Yeah, sure. Well, Uh, not you, but,
1: like, maybe a lot of people on Survivor.
0: Yeah. And so that we meet Robin's mom also at this party, and she is like, oh, George is such a nice man, and George is really looking like the hero here at this party so far.
1: Yeah, I like how everyone's here for, like, a reason. You know, We're meeting the mom and it's like, oh, this is an irrelevant conversation. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, a minute later, you see why she's there.
0: All right. Burgers should be ready in a minute. Akiva, how impractical is this at a kid's birthday party of what, 20, 25 in an apartment to be making burgers for a party in the kitchen of the apartment?
1: Nobody makes burgers for a kid's party. Yeah. It's, oh, it's always
0: pizza. It's always pizza, right? What if it was a barbecue?
1: Yeah, if someone is manning the grill, it's harder to do a barbecue because, you know, we're in Manhattan. Like, I, this is the ground floor, I think, right? But it's still. Yeah. Like, you know, but
0: you're just ordering
1: pizza for these kids.
0: So George goes into the kitchen. He smells smoke. And there's such a great, iconic moment in Seinfeld history. George sees the burgers and he just starts screaming, fire, fire! And he runs out And he is knocking everybody over. He knocks over Robin. He knocks over the old woman, probably the kids. And he gets out of that house and he's like trying to (laughs) break the door open.
1: Yeah, it's so great. Like he hip checks Eric, the clown. I wonder how many takes uh, it took Jason Alexander for this because it's so perfect when he knocks down the old lady.
0: Yeah. You know, and there's also some symmetry here with when George eats the eclair out of the garbage. In what way? Uh it's same sort of thing at a party where uh George's uh, bad behavior ends up getting him in trouble with uh the people that he's at the party with yeah,
1: that's true that's true, but this is like just George really to the next level. <laughs> this is worse,
0: this is worse, <laughs> okay, so the next scene we see is then we have the fire department is like trying to ask George about what happened. And this is such a great Jason Alexander scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, you know, maybe the greatest liar of all time, George has you know he doesn't stick to one here he's got like eight different reasons why what he did was okay
0: and not only does he try to spin it where he wasn't doing anything wrong he also tries to spin it where he's actually the person who saved everybody like so it's not just like yourself into the hero here yeah it's not only is he looking for not guilty he's also looking for that he should be getting praise from everybody for how he acted
1: i do like you know right before you know they cut the scene at a commercial but like beforehand when they catch him and like the clown starts chasing after him like the kids start hitting him
0: mm-hmm. yeah no it really is great and so that he goes through a whole bunch of different things and he talks about how he was trying to lead the way because they needed a leader because as, him as the leader if he dies then what would happen hope would be lost if something happened to him and Robin says, but I saw you push the women and children out of the way. I feel like this is exactly what Billy Zane says on the Titanic, right? (laughs) Yes. And he says, well, to the untrained eye, yes, it did look like that. But he risked his life to make sure the exit was clear. And the firefighter ends up just saying to him, how do you live with yourself? (laughs) Now,
1: I wonder, do women, now I'm going to get in trouble here, but like I understand the children thing, but I wonder if women nowadays would be like, uh, no, you, there's no re- need for women and children anymore, like on a boat or something. If it should just be like children first.
0: I feel like in practice, I think that everybody would like to be saved. Sure. But I, but I don't I, think anybody's going to fight you on the PC-ness of that, of like, hey, don't save me. Why do you want to save me for?
1: Right, nobody's going to give up their, give up their <laughs> like first dibs there. It is interesting also, just it's, you know, like the idea here of George... You know, like, I, I wonder what I'd do if I was in this situation. But, like, you know what George would do when he's in this situation. You don't even need to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we see Jerry with George in Monks. And George is telling the story to Jerry about how Robin doesn't want to see him anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's never, you know, it, the fact that he
1: almost gets her back at the end of the episode is a, is a borderline miracle.
0: It really is. And so George uh, knocked her over and the mother over. And he's telling Jerry about all of this. And... uh George does try to say she should be commending him for treating the women and children as equals. Yeah, George is a feminist and uh, whatever whatever the kids are
1: equal movement is.
0: I love this line that he says that Eric the Clown put out the fire with his big shoe. Yeah, that's
1: a, that's a nice throwaway
0: there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I also love the line that Jerry says to George about where he's trying to be sympathetic and says like, well, maybe when she gets out of the burn unit, she'll see things more your way. Right. Which is confusing, right? Because she's not actually in the burn unit. Right. But it was a good line. Yeah, it's a good line. So Jerry has the Entertainment Weekly. And the Entertainment Weekly is talking about how Jerry got heckled, and then he had a show in Miami that got canceled. So really, this story is ruining Jerry's life. Shades of in the outing.
1: Yes, I feel like uh, Entertainment Weekly had a lot more, you know, pull back then. But <laughs> they're canceling gigs for Jerry.
0: Yeah, it's like oh, he can't deal with hecklers, canceling.
1: Yeah, and they don't have some sort of like guarantee. I don't know, like where's Jer- where Jerry's career is at, but I feel like he should still get uh,
0: get paid here for Miami. Yes, well, that's another conversation for a different day. So George is saying that, well, you should go to her office and heckle
1: her. Which is funny because, you know, obviously now, you know, there's commercials on TV like this, you know, where Peyton Manning's going to people's work and but i feel like this idea is so original here
0: you do cuz i kind of feel like that it's already something that like is sort of like a common expression i feel like that people already were using i mean i think that george even mentions oh you know like that old joke or like comedians are always saying they should do that it's almost like a wish fulfillment for a comedian
1: right okay so maybe they're just the first people to actually implement it
0: right So I think that they're the first people who actually try to do something that comedians have always talked about of going to somebody else's job and heckling them.
1: Yeah, do you ever ever feel that way when someone's like ripping you in a comment section?
0: Oh, I've definitely (laughs) thought about it, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the people who are doing it, like you wouldn't want to go to their jobs. No, probably not, (laughs) probably not. It would be in their basements anyway. Yes, I do want to say like the passive aggressive comment sometimes and I force myself not to of like, okay, well, I would love to hear your take on your podcast, and then I will go and comment on it. But then I, I, I ultimately do not do that. Did you even play football?
1: Yeah. That's a, that's like a big one for the sports comments. But I think also like, you, first of all, you can never win in the comments section. No. Yeah, hopefully you'll be at the point soon if you're not there already where like, you know, Bill Simmons talks about now he doesn't check his Twitter replies. Now you have a different sort of thing where you'd always probably have to do that. Yeah. But just the idea where like, he doesn't need to like see the criticism. You know where he's like above it at this point is probably nice.
0: I mean, I can't really believe that he doesn't check his Twitter replies. I kind of feel like Like, what's the point? It's sort of like, well, let me just like uh like throw this pitch and then turn around and let me let let I don't want to see how it landed. Well, because he's not writing a lot of jokes on
1: Twitter now any anymore. Like he's, already, you know, one. I, it's funny because like you work to get like the three four million followers and then it's like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Like I, you know, I already have a career. But I also think. If you have millions of followers, like everything you write, there's probably people telling you to kill yourself or like saying horrible things about your family. At a certain point, it probably breaks you.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think so. Because I think at some point, you know, the people who are loving what you do can't even get through the noise.
1: Sure. Yeah, because right. Even if 100 people say something nice, you're going to notice the one that's you know, like cursing you out or something.
0: Right. The bigger it gets. I do think that there's also a bit of a broken windows theory that I've uh, come up with recently where in a comment section, the first time one person ends up with the like obscenity laced sort of like hate filled tirade, that's then it's open season. Once that one person and it's like, okay, now it's free for all.
1: Oh, so you want to be you want to you're more of like a Bloomberg
0: yeah, shut you it wanna,
1: down, boom. You want to shut it down to me or Giuliani? Shut it down. You want to shut it down? No, I agree. I think right. He, this guy said something racist, so now I could just say something mean. That's no problem.
0: Yeah, on Rob has a website. I believe I have it where I think anybody it you know, just takes one flag the, the comment to go. Well,
1: but also the the like you could police your like if you have haters, it's probably a very low number, and you could block them on Twitter or from your website. Right. But someone like a Bill Simmons can't block like you know thousands of people who are just saying something mean to him yeah i know my favorite heckling thing you know Jalen rose yeah so he he was on the toronto raptors when kobe bryant scored 81 points against them Mm -hmm. (laughs) every single time he tweets there's like dozens of people who write back like he'll write like "Ooh, just had a great burrito and then the comments will be like did you have 81 burritos I bet the burrito costs like, you know, 81 cents. It, there's dozens of them and he blocks every single one, he says.
0: Uh, well, I think once you start blocking people, then it's like there will be more people that will come at you than you can block. It's true. It's like inviting the flies to keep coming. Yeah. Uh, that's why I am not a blocker. You're not a blocker. Yeah. And before we get out of the scene, we were talking about how unprecedented it is. Jerry says it's unprecedented, baby. And George says, what you're doing my babies. <laughs> yeah. This leads credence to like the fact that it's George's. Okay. So, Jerry goes to Toby's office, and I would say that Jerry is bullying Toby at this point. Would you agree? Yeah, I feel like this only happened
1: once. it's not like Toby has a history of being mean to to Jerry uh and she wasn't even being mean. she was just being rude, so Jerry you know she didn't make a personal she didn't she didn't say like "You suck, your comedy's terrible yeah, uh, so this is a little this is a little harsh from Jerry,
0: right, where Jerry is like going there and he's really just like roasting her he's not even heckling her. <laughs> He's really just like uh, destroying her Talking about how like she's wearing open toed shoes and people are, you know, can smell her feet and they go in her office and um, he's she's going to call security. He says, you got to be tough. She ends up running off.
1: Yeah, but uh, to be fair, he could have been much meaner. Like there's there's a lot of low hanging fruit with Toby. (laughs) Oh, come on.
0: Go easy, Akiva. She's annoying. (laughs) She's not real. We end up finding out that something has happened to her pinky toe. And we see Kramer's reaction. Yeah, I didn't love
1: the way that they edit this scene. It's like they just have like a panned out actual view of like a city street for a second. And then like Kramer yelling, yelling and like, oh, no, you know, they, I don't know. In the deleted scenes. Yeah, you actually find you see Kramer finding the toe and Jerry and Elaine have a conversation about like Elaine saying, I can't believe you heckled her. She'll be okay when she comes back from lunch, you know, not realizing what happened.
0: And also in the inside looks, Kramer talks about, or Michael Richards talks about how they actually had scripted the scene in which the guy tries to, you know, mug the bus or like hijack the bus and Kramer is fighting off the guy like that was actually scripted in the episode and they ended up cutting all that. So I think that this was completely wonky from the start in terms of how they were going to ultimately do this. I think that the monologue that Michael Richards does actually turns out pretty great and memorable. So I think that they probably should have shown even less than what they show i think that like their instincts were right of like let's show less of this and talk about it more and it was funnier yeah and we've discussed this
1: a lot and i think i even use this example you know a bunch of seasons ago when we talk about like show versus tell uh you know and most recently probably with the marine biologist and you know the 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 magic loogie in season three uh i think here they did make the right decision you're right uh you're right they probably could even cut they could have cut that scene out at her walking away maybe just hearing like a loud crash or something and that's it but yeah i think uh they maybe lucked into the the right situation here
0: yeah so then we see kramer come to jerry's apartment he wants to know why did you heckle her but kramer comes in very calm yeah considering the story he's about to tell yes he tells the whole story about how the street sweeper severed toby's toe now is there any is her name toby because she was gonna lose her toe oh boy (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting name for a, have a woman.
1: Uh, maybe they maybe it was a play on words. I'm not sure.
0: Is Toby even a woman's name? Have you ever heard of a woman named Toby?
1: Yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. I definitely know women named Toby. It's a, uh, I think it's a like a unisex name. Okay. Well, because how many? I think there's more female Tobies than male Tobies. Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire. Toby from the Office, although he's fake. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know any famous female Tobies, but I know multiple not famous female Tobies.
0: Okay. So we end up with. Kramer telling this story about how he found the toe and then he put it in a Cracker Jack box and he filled it with ice and again, in the deleted scene, it's not as funny as the visual is when you imagine it because he's like standing there with a Cracker Jack box and then the ambulance just pulls away and then he finds it like right underneath the truck that's right there. And so it is funnier in your imagination. And he talks about how he got on a city bus and now a guy tried to hijack the bus. The why on earth did somebody try to hijack a city bus i mean it's still just 1994 there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in Manhattan. but like people he wanted to mug everybody on the bus yeah
1: i don't know people were just hijacking things back then
0: okay so hijacking a bus i mean had this ever happened has this been documented i bet it i bet it happened
1: i first of all maybe there's a lot of bus maybe there's 50 people on the bus that each paid you know, a dollar that's 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe he, you know, there's a lot of people you could get their money. Just hey, give me all your money. and I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's a great strategy, but you know, I think
0: it happened yeah. once ever. I think it, apparently it has happened. So, um, he tries to hijack the bus and then we see that Kramer ends up like going up to the gunman and like just punching him. I mean, I feel like that sort of is a little incredulous now yeah
1: i mean listen he maybe the guy wasn't really willing to shoot he just wanted the money so he was kind of like a coward maybe he was filled with blanks but yeah kramer walks up and knocks him out although not completely out yeah so he knocks the guy out. i would and- actually say this the story he tells in two seconds that the driver passes out out of shock which he kind of yada yada yada's over is probably uh you know more unlikely than kramer punching out the gunman like why does he
0: pass out? Just because he's so nervous. I don't know. So the driver ends up uh, passing out and the bus is out of control. Now it's shades of speed. So Kramer has to drive the bus and, and so then he is driving the bus, and then the gunman comes back, and he's fighting off the gunman. And then we find out that Kramer is making the stops.
1: Yeah, probably the most famous part of this episode. Yeah, when, when they say you're making all the stops, and Kramer has the line like, "Well, they kept ringing the bell. I could see, I see, I could see this happening.
0: Kramer yeah. making the no. It, this was a much better decision to tell this story. It's really delivered well. The one part I don't like about this is where George says to Kramer, "You're Batman." And then Kramer acknowledges and says, uh, like, I am Batman.
1: You're right. Yeah, you should. Yeah, he should. Because Kramer so cool here. You shouldn't. You don't say you're Batman. That makes you not cool.
0: Right. I feel like to Kramer, it's like this wasn't something amazing. This is just what Kramer would do in any given day for Kramer to sort of to acknowledge the fact that he's Batman here. I felt like it took him a little bit out of character. Yeah. Knocks him down a few cool points. <laughs> this is just a
1: Wednesday for Kramer.
0: Yeah. All right. And so ultimately we find out that the toe got reattached and the guys just, they can't believe you did this all for a pinky toe. It's a valuable appendage. Yeah. And George, all of a sudden, a light bulb goes off in his head. Look at what I did. I knocked over women and children to get away from a fire. Kramer, for a pinky toe, manages to fight off a gunman and drive the bus. He's going to turn over a new leaf. Do you think he's being genuine or he just finds an out
1: here to get, get back with uh, with Robin? I think he's being genuine. It looks like a light bulb goes off for him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, for a second, it's very easy to say you're going to change. Right. Right. I feel like how often do people say like in a relationship or something, they're going to change versus it actually happens.
0: You know, it's sort of like, that's it. I'm going on a diet. That's it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting smoking.
1: Yeah. If your partner tells you that you're going to change, that's like, you may as well
0: just end it, it. <laughs> then. The marriage? No one's ever changed anything. <laughs> so back in Elaine's office, they get the update on Toby. Everybody has to be nice to Toby. She needs our full support. And then here comes Toby. And everybody just like piles into Elaine's office and little bit of uh, unusual to get the physical comedy from Elaine uh, where she ends up like just sort of like falling over sort of like it's like a Michael Richards type move here. Yeah, Elaine
1: doesn't do a tremendous amount of physical comedy, but this is funny here.
0: There's definitely times where she does, but this is really something that you would expect more from Kramer. Yeah. All right. So back at Jerry's house. Elaine is talking about, what do we even need the little toe for? We really don't. I feel, I feel like you could walk fine without it. I think you probably could be fine. If you had to lose any part of your body, I think that would probably be it, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, pinky toe, You definitely more, you know, a pinky on your hand is more important. I'm trying to think. Like, you're, you don't want to lose an ear. I guess like yeah. your
0: appendix, like something like that. Oh, well, that's cheating.
1: That's something that doesn't, shouldn't exist. Shouldn't we just all take out our appendixes?
0: Well, you just want to have surgery
1: for no reason? Isn't it better to have like this elective surgery where they take it out than like have it explode one
0: day and you don't know that it's exploding because mm. like you just think your stomach hurts? I guess so, but I think there's probably more danger. You'd probably lose more people just like uh, due to the surgery. Yeah, I don't think like 80 year olds
1: should do it, but I feel like young people can make it through the surgery.
0: Yeah, but even if you lose one, at what cost, Akiva?
1: Well, I, it's annoying to have an appendix. Like <laughs> a nuisance, maybe. I don't know. You're saying I shouldn't do it? I was thinking about doing it this week.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like, you know, it's like, how much does it weigh? It's like at least like what, like a a quarter of a pound, right? Oh, you think you think I should do it for diet reasons? Well, I feel like it's like when you step on the scale, it's like, okay, we lost that like extra appendix weight.
1: Probably have to wait online. Like the problem with this elective surgery is like everyone who's important, like the emergencies go before you. So I'm not going to go. It's going to take too long.
0: OK, so Kramer ends up shouting into Elaine. Hey, guess what? Toby got promoted. Yeah,
1: I feel like uh, it's funny because it's very sitcomy here. Elaine, ha- Elaine has like incredible disdain for Toby. But Kramer seems either indifferent or probably totally unaware of it, even though Kramer, Elaine is saying mean things about Toby to Kramer's face.
0: Right. And Toby's first order of business, she's going to put Kramer's coffee table book into bookstores as soon as possible. Yeah, so she wants
1: to lose money ASAP.
0: <laughs> okay, and so then we end up with Jerry back at the comedy club, and he is going to have another shot with Leonard Christian. He's coming back to the comedy club, and we see that Don Marrera is so impressed with Jerry. He's like the Rosa Parks of comedians that he did this. That he heckled. You know? It's also
1: it's a smart move to have the EW writer come back, because he's never going to write an article saying, yep, Jerry still sucks. That article's not going to make the
0: magazine. Yeah.
1: So he only has to make like, oh, yeah, it, you know, on second thought, Jerry's really good because he's, he's, he's not going to bash him again.
0: But shouldn't the article be about how Jerry went to somebody's office and heckled them like uh, about how like comedian fulfills all comedians fantasy by heckling somebody who heckled him?
1: Well, if it's a two page article like last time, I feel like you could put both in there. Yeah. You could say, like, Jerry did that, and he's actually, like, back on his game now.
0: So anyway, Jerry is doing great in his new set. He gets introduced by Larry David. Uh, very unmistakable that Larry David uh, introduces Jerry onto the stage. And we end up seeing Robin now. She's working tonight. She's not just a patron at the comedy club. The most amazing thing happened. Things have changed. Yeah, you know, she, he saw what happened with Kramer, and
1: he's going to, you know, basically fix his, his whole uh, life around
0: Meanwhile, we see that Jerry is doing stand-up, maybe inspired by Eric the Clown. Talks about how Bozo the Clown, do you really need the clown? Is he going to get confused with some other Bozo? Well, Eric, if you just say, hi, I'm Eric, no one's
1: going to know well, you're right, a clown. but if you're Bozo, are there other Bozos? Well, once you become a big deal, yeah. that's fine. But I feel like, uh, you know, like eventually you could just call your show Rob. But it's still right now has to be Rob as a podcast.
0: <laughs> okay. And then I can stop checking my at replies on Twitter. Uh,
1: when, I'd say it's the same level. Once you get up to that, le- that level, I mean, first you got to get verified. That comes before. That comes policies. first, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, unverifieds actually legally have to check their at replies.
0: Okay. So first you get verified. Then do I stop checking the at replies or do I change my uh, podcast to Rob? You, you change your podcast just to Rob. Okay. You tell people no more RHP,
1: And then I stop checking the replies. And then like people will, because what will happen is people will be like, no, no, no. What do you mean? I have this T-shirt. I have a tattoo at that point that says, you know, Rob is a podcast and you don't want to see those things because that'll just upset you, which is good because you don't check your Twitter replies anymore.
0: OK, perfect. So George is telling Robin that he has changed. He is going to be different. And then immediately we see that the prop comic, Ronnie, that's his name, Ronnie K., And he is saying to what's the line that he says, like, hey, give me all your money. Yeah. okay." And George starts screaming. He's got a gun. Everybody panics. Everybody runs away, clears out the club. And then uh, we end up seeing that for George that it is Ronnie K. He's a prop comic. You idiot.
1: Yeah. I mean, in in fairness, like George was totally, uh, you know, in the wrong in the fire scene. But he just sees a guy with a gun here. It's pretty reasonable, especially like his friend was just, you know, held at gunpoint earlier in the day or yesterday. Right. So it's pretty reasonable to be nervous here. I think I don't know if yelling he's got a gun is that's just that's just going to get you to be the first person shot.
0: Right. I think that for George, I think that history and time is on his side. I think that probably uh, he did the right thing. If you see something, say something uh, by 2015. I think he is right. But if you compare and contrast what George ultimately does to what Kramer does when somebody pulls out a gun, where Kramer ends up like knocking the guy's lights out, would that have been a better response? Would Robin had acted more favorably to that?
1: I mean, it would have been very beneficial. It's also worth, you know, in the Seinfeld universe, worth, worth pointing out here that uh, Robin is one of the uh, witnesses in the finale. Is she? Yes. So, and, and in fairness, Robin has, you know, like the bubble boy. Okay, they were arguing over something. You know, uh, the virgin is just talking about their, their like bad behavior and the contest. But Robin really has a case that, you know, he's the first person out of the room. That's like relevant to the Good Samaritan law. So I do think that, uh, you know, George, you know, in hindsight, he should have really smoothed this Robin thing over.
0: He should have, because he left her with a bad taste in her mouth. Yes. All right. So then they say to George, don't you realize this is Ronnie K, the prop comic? And George says he didn't recognize him. And of course, Ronnie says it's because of his nostrils. His nostrils got bigger. Tying it together. And then Jerry comes off the stage and says to George, George, can I have a word with you? And that's the end of the episode. Sort of a weak uh, last line.
1: Weak last line. I guess they should have ended it on
0: nostrils. Yeah, I think so. I think that probably would have been better. But I guess they wanted us to have Jerry see that George was the person who cleared out the club. Probably. Okay. And then uh, do we have some uh, closing stand-up? Uh, yeah, we have closing stand-up where Jerry talks about
1: uh, how ridiculous the fire maps in hotels are, which yeah, is true. I've always thought that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> no one's ever going to be like, all right, it's on fire. I'm not running out the door yet. Let me let me, you know, figure out an escape route. All right. No, it's like, let me jump out the window.
0: Okay, but Let's talk about uh, in terms of if we're going to update this episode from 1994 to 2015. We talked about a number of things that would not quite hold up anything else. Uh Yeah, there
1: were a lot of things already. Um, Nobody takes a bus in New York City, so I'm not sure. Like, it's very unlikely that a bus is going to be held up at gunpoint. I feel like people still do take the bus. People take the bus, but I, I don't think that... But first of all, it's with MetroCards. So there's no money on the bus. Got it. So I don't think you're... Who are you robbing? I, I feel like buses haven't... I feel like it's been a long time since somebody has uh taken the bus, Uh, you know, taken a bus hostage. You don't have as many, like, taking, like, moving vehicles hostage anymore. Yeah. And I think... You know, EW is not covering a comedy show. Also, this is a good tip for you. You're going to, you have kids who are going to be young. Don't invite 20, in 2015, we're smart enough. Don't invite 25 kids to a 2 year
0: old birthday party. Probably not. It should be like four kids or less. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that many. I, I say that to my wife all the time. Like, he doesn't know. He's like, I remember this. This is for you, not for him. Totally, totally. Like, he just wants the cake. Let him put his hands in the cake. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's, it. That's all he wants. Akeem, anything else? No, I feel like,
1: uh, in general, it holds up. I'm curious, you know, we're going to talk about ratings. I'm curious what you have to say about this episode.
0: Oh, well, actually, yeah, let's do our letter grades for everybody. I like this. Okay, fine. We're like Entertainment Weekly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go through uh, Kramer's storyline. He is going to be getting his coffee table book. He gets the big monologue where he talks about he fought off the person at gunpoint. What do you think about Kramer's story? I mean, the, the uh, monologue is so good. You have to give his storyline an A. Yeah, give him an A. What about Elaine that she is sort of getting frustrated with Toby? Yeah, I mean to me Elaine doesn't have a ton of meat in
1: this episode, but she's really funny how feisty she is with Toby. Uh, the line, you know, the line she has where where when Kramer's talking about how she had a smile on her face the whole time, Elaine's like, "Of course, cuz she's deranged." Yeah. But she says it so casually that like we don't know if Kramer really heard it or internally like took it in.
0: Yeah, uh, so I'm going to give Elaine an A. Oh wow, okay. I'd yeah. say probably more of a B minus, just because I don't love the Toby storyline. And well, so somebody's are, got are we
1: punish- Are we punishing Elaine for not having yeah. a lot to work with it? Yeah, I'm going to. You know, I don't make- know if we're grading like Elaine or Julie Louis Dreyfus or the writers for writing Elaine.
0: I think just everything in orbit of Elaine. I think that somebody has to pay that invoice for Toby, and I'm going to make it be Elaine, and not even that hard. A B minus. Okay. All right, Jerry, in his storyline of getting heckled and then going to go and heckle Toby at her job. I like the idea of heckling at the job. It probably could have been done
1: funnier, so I'm gonna give Jerry a B,
0: okay. Yeah, I feel like it was an okay idea and something that probably was had been talked about by comedians for a long time. I'll, I'll give it a C plus. okay. felt like that was uh, part of the episode that really uh, did not did not really hold a lot of water for me. And then finally, we have the George storyline. Uh, yeah, I, I think running out of the fire alone, the, the, the stuff
1: afterwards with the, uh, with the medic people, like you have to give George an A here. Yeah,
0: it's, if not an A+. Plus.
1: Yeah, oh, I didn't know A pluses were a thing. Uh, like I thought A was the <laughs> In rare thing. exceptions we could do, but you're the teacher. You know, I was a teacher. And I, you know why I gave high grades? Why? It's much easier to give high grades because you have less parents calling up and being like angry at you. You're like the Paula. Yeah, I feel like if you if you if you give everyone a C, you're gonna get twenty five angry emails and calls from parents. But especially the kids you don't like or or if they have crazy parents, that actually is a way to get yourself an A. Cause I'd rather give the kid a ninety seven and then never have to speak to his parents again.
0: That's a good call. Yeah.
1: So you should just be a crazy parent and then your kids will get good grades. Yeah. Don't take this advice, but Yeah. <laughs> All right, Akiva, where did you rank this podcast? The podcast, this is the <laughs> greatest podcast that's ever been made. Where did you rank the episode then? By the way, they had, you know, we discussed like the, all the early top 10 lists, like the, the first 11 months of 2015. These were the top 10 yes. television shows and movies. And so they had like a top 10 podcast episodes. Yes. Shut out again. What? Yeah, it's true. Okay. It was just 10 episodes of Serial. <laughs>
0: All right, Akivo. So where is this one in your rankings? Yeah, I, well, where do you have this? I'm curious. I mean, I feel like the stuff with George and the fire is so iconic. I feel like the stuff with Toby is not great, but Michael Richards' monologue is. So I kind of feel like it's probably around, you know, 90 to 100. Wow, that's very low. Too low. Well, because you have two really legendary things
1: in this episode. I guess right? so. You have a wonderful monologue, which... You know, we gave it's not as good as the marine biologist monologue, but, you know, I gave the marine biologist the top nine grade just from, you know, primarily like the monologue is by far the best thing in that episode. All
0: right. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, I mean, so what is the top 50? Well, for I mean, first of all, this is your opinion.
1: Yeah. So um, but I have it at number 20 overall.
0: 20. Well, I think that's
1: a little too high.
0: Really? I just think that the Toby stuff is OK. It is OK, but I don't think and she's it- so she's so much of this episode. Yeah, I don't think she ruins it. And
1: I feel like if you have two lights-out iconic things, uh, I, I, you know, you're, you're doing something I right. I see your case. I definitely do. You know, if, we're, if you want to hit, it's a, it's a question. Do you want to only hit home runs, or do you want to hit a lot of doubles? Because there's definitely more episodes that hit more doubles and triples. Yeah. You know, or maybe triples with a throwing error going home when Paul O'Neill promised you two home runs.
0: So you're saying this episode was two for four, had a three-run homer, like a two-run homer, and then, you know, struck out twice.
1: Yeah, struck out looking twice Okay, against Adam Wainwright. Still a good game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, number 20 to me, I feel like, is reasonable.
0: All right. Let's get into talking about our emails from our listeners. Of course, they come into us every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, let's uh, bounce around a little bit. How about Craig? Here's Craig from Vancouver. He's saying that he's guessing that this is the worst week of the year for Akiva because Star Wars is out this weekend uh, and someone's got to force him to go see it and do a post movie recap about it. And it might actually be refreshing to hear uh, someone else not praise it. First
1: of all, I am excited this week for the big sequel. It's, uh, it's really
0: more of a squeak. we're
1: talking about uh, Al- Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs>
0: <shit> <laughs> Look at you.
1: Um, yeah, no, I'm not seeing the movie. There's uh, there's no way you could force me to see it. Uh, no podcasts. And um I wouldn't like it if I saw it. That's true. Wow. How do you know? No, I don't know. Maybe I would love it. Maybe it's my favorite thing. Maybe like, maybe I was put on this earth to be like the biggest Star Wars expert, but I'm never going to find out.
0: But why don't you watch 20 minutes of it and see if you want to keep going? I also like, I have like an addictive personality.
1: Like with sports, I don't just like watch one game, you know? I watch all the games and like, I don't, you know, same thing with, with anything I like. I do, I like to, you know, do, you know, know everything about it or know nothing about it. Right.
0: All right. Well, let's not explore I, this no, too much There's no further. way
1: like I could just be like casual.
0: Yeah. I think that the thing about Star Wars, more than anything, is the nostalgia. It's not like that these are the greatest movies that were ever made, but they were so, you know, entrenched in many people's childhoods. So it's more the nostalgia of it that it's like this feeling that you had when you were little. So if you watch it when you're an adult for the first time, it's not going to be like that.
1: No. And if I thought my kids cared, I don't know if it skews a little more towards boys at a young age. Yeah. And, you know, my older kids are girls. I, I feel like they would not be interested at all. So it's not like I would sit down and watch it with them. Um, I was very proud. I asked my wife if she's ever seen it. Seen it. She said, no, she's seen Spaceballs though. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I, I, to me, I, you know, yeah, there's no reason to get started now. And it's such a commitment because if I like it, there's seven movies.
0: Okay. But you just said you were going to watch 10 episodes of a Netflix show this weekend. If you liked it. Yeah, that's true. Cough Listen, out. my
1: logic doesn't, isn't so sound, but yeah, I'm definitely going to pound the, the making of a murder. Also, are you going to watch this? Are you going to go on Friday
0: night? No, I don't have tickets. You know, you don't have I, tickets yet. I, I, again, I'm. A, I really like Star Wars, but I'm not. There's a no Star way Wars your nut. wife will go with you. No, this, right? No, she won't. That's good. So, are you going to go alone? I mean, I guess so. I mean, it'd be nice if I had a friend. That would be, you know, ideal. But if someone out there wants to go to Star Wars with Rob. <laughs> we'll see we'll see you know this is a bad week for me in general though yeah but i feel like it's
1: always a bad week to go see star wars Uh, oh come on is it like so sold out can you not even get tickets i don't think we can get
0: tickets this week week. oh my god yeah i think every showing is sold out for like the next couple days
1: i wonder how like quickly it'll become a bootleg on the internet
0: oh probably soon all right. Craig also wants to know if there was a gunman on the bus, why didn't everybody get off at the first stop? <laughs> That's a good question. Especially
1: like some of the buses have the back end e- exit, I think. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like maybe by the end, it was just Kramer and the gunman. I don't know. Okay. Uh,
0: here's an email from Travis wants to know, I'm really looking forward to a ranking of the fire. I recall that in the Marine biologists, uh, they made it into a mystery shrouded top nine, basically on the strength of George's monologue. Rob described the other stories in the episode as meh, and Akiva rated them as C material. In this episode, we have two big chunks of dialogue that rival George's story at the end of The Marine Biologist. First, there's George's on-the-fly justification for shoving the women and children, and his escape from the fire. And you have Kramer's fantastic monologue. So sort of like uh, Travis crystallizing what we talked about during the debate.
1: Yeah, I think Travis was listening when we were talking. I think so. So uh, he, he called that one. It's a good question. Uh, yeah, I, I, and then he says, is it top nine? Uh, Not not top nine, but I also, I was talking to Chester and Amir about this earlier today. I do think that, uh, maybe you don't think this because you didn't love this episode. I think you just think it's average to slightly above average. I think this and the next two episodes is the strongest three-episode stretch of the series, arguably at least. Wow. Because the next two episodes are, you know, bona fide classics, the Hamptons and the opposite. Yeah.
0: I think that's something interesting. Maybe that speaks to you know how you and I look at things. Where you're, you can sort of like do the audit of the moments and say, okay, well that was that was a great moment. That was a great moment. That was a great moment. So because of that, this is up here where I'm probably more the sum of the parts. Like uh, if the whole the whole thing has to work for me, right? You're looking for singles and doubles. I'm trying to hit home run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Amir. Amir says, uh, here's a few comments. He says that after last week's episode featuring a disaster of a Paris trip while being mentored Aaron, I can't imagine George would throw himself back into a similar situation, behaving like a parent slash mentor to Robin's son. It seems very out of character. Yeah, it's a good question, uh,
1: but uh, you have to ask yourself, what was filmed first? And the answer is this episode.
0: Yes. Also, Amir says, while Seinfeld usually gives Kramer semi-absurd invention ideas, in all honesty, I think that the coffee table book would be a hit. I absolutely could see this thing blowing up through online sales or becoming a hot Christmas gift. I think it's a great idea. So what do you think of Amir's hot take? Coffee table book is actually a good idea.
1: Yeah, the coffee table book about coffee tables and that he crystallized in this episode to become a coffee table itself, which we'll see um, on Live with Regis in a couple episodes, is a really amazing idea. But I feel like it could have done, they, they probably tried this 20 years ago and I feel like it never took off. Yeah. Like there's no way they didn't try and market this and capitalize on it. And I don't think they were able to. I don't think it's that great of an idea. It's a funny idea to say, that's yeah. for sure.
0: Finally, Amir says Seinfeld has a pattern of taking the plot of a complicated place that they need to rely on the characters either describing what happened or the characters describing past events to give us context. The fact that the show depends on these actors bring life to the episodes makes you just realize how talented they truly are. Here are Amir's top monologues. Uh, he likes Kramer driving the bus in the fire. George saving the whale marine biologist. Yeah, that's number one. He cites Kramer and Newman describing the magic loogie in The Boyfriend. Yeah, those are, those are my three, probably. Jerry recounting the original big race that he won in the race. Yeah, that's funny. And Kramer describing his attack from the Van Buren boys. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that one, but that's a good one, too. All right. One last email. Let's go to Chester. And uh, Chester writes to us, When George tells Robin he can't blow out the candles because he has asthma, is this canon?
1: Yeah, I googled it. Uh, I think Jason Alexander, the actor, has asthma.
0: Also wants to know, why is there a random old woman with a walker at the birthday party who's not Robin's mom and uh, just happens to be another old lady? This is never explained. You don't have any great aunts, Chester? Yeah. What What kind of question is this? What if? It's it's the birthday
1: boy's sister. Come
0: on. (laughs) (laughs) where does seemingly seemingly to the untrained eye rank on the all-time george lines it's much more usable on a daily basis than the sea was angry that day my friends like an old man trying to send back soup in
1: a deli people still say the sea was angry that day my friends to this day i don't know what you're talking about with the untrained digester
0: also, Jerry notes that the pinky toe is the one that goes wee 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 all the way home. Here's my issue with that story. The first little piggy goes to the market. These we're we're doing this, Chester? We're doing we're we're doing <laughs> He's got a he's got like five little kids. So okay. Give him, give him right here. The first little piggy goes to market, the second little piggy stays home. So why are we making such a big deal about that final little piggy that goes wee 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 all the way home when the second little piggy is already there? Yeah, he's lawyering us, I feel like. I don't even know the the, the rhyme. <laughs> all right and then finally george is so inspired by the links that kramer went to save a big tail that he decided to become a better person and so robin should take him back that really doesn't make a lot of sense well, he's gonna change
1: listen people you know robin george is a little of the cavork himself robin feels like you know george can change why not give him a chance but as i warned nobody ever changes don't give him another chance
0: all right akiva the hashtag are you good with uh probozo yeah probozo that's a lock all right what were we talking about next week Oh, the Hamptons! Uh, it's going to be a uh, a Festivus miracle next week when we talk about the Hamptons.
1: Yeah, it will not be the there, there will be no shrinkage in the podcast. it Will be many hours
0: long. There will be no shrinkage. Of course, uh, next week is going to be uh, when Festivus hits on the calendar. So be sure to uh, let us know your airing of the grievances both uh, to us via email Seinfeld at post show recaps. And of course, if you have any grievances, uh, we do suggest that you do not post them on our iTunes page. Which is at postshowrecaps slash Seinfeld iTunes. Or you could search for Seinfeld in the iTunes store and make sure you pick the one that's our post show recap and not some other podcast. Yeah. I
1: do want to hear people's grievances next week on the in, in the emails though. That would we, be good.
0: It would be very fun. All right. Is it a grievances about the show? Is it grievances about us? Anything. Anything. Okay. All right. So That's going to do it for us here this week. Akiva is on Twitter. He is at Keeve26. I am at Rob Cisterino. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre who edits these shows and Mike Moore who does our recaps. We'll be back next time. Take care, everybody. Bye.